Superpowers on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers podcast show. I'm your host, Tatiana Berende, and today I have a wonderful man with me, Larry Frederick, and we are going to be discussing sex advice for men in relationship. This is going to be such a good one. He's a wealth of information. Let me tell you a little bit about him before we dive in. Larry Frederick is an award-winning international educator. He's also a sex coach, licensed and certified in erotic blueprints, sexological bodywork, neurolinguistic programming, hypnotherapy, and somatic sex education. Larry works with men who want to clearly find and express their desires so they can feel empowered in finding passion, pleasure, and juicy hot sex. He has traveled the globe from the mountains of Peru to tantric temples in the jungles of India, training with some of the top names in the fields of self-transformation and sexual education, including Jaya Ma, David Deda, Mikola Beam, Destin Garrick, Satyan Raja, and Joseph Kramer. From having issues with erectile dysfunction, performance, and social skills to becoming a multi-orgasmic man with the skills and techniques of a confident lover, Larry helps men step into their full erotic power so they can have more confidence in the bedroom and in their relationships. Welcome to the show, Larry. Hello, Tatiana. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So before we dive into this juicy, juicy topic, will you please tell our listeners what your superpowers are? Well, um, my girlfriend says my superpower is that I'm a great lover and a great listener. And I think that um, I thank her for that. And I think my superpower, though, is that I'm a magician. Um, Ooh, same way. Well, I mean, not literally, I, I'm a magician. I used to do children's birthday shows and train with magicians. So I know how to do like all the secret trap doors and the, the <laughs> hidden threads and all that. So like I know the behind the scenes work. And sometimes I'll see like a psychic performer and say, you know what? There's some trickery involved. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I've seen some uh, real magic out there. Um, there was one point I was going to do a documentary and travel the world um, documenting what I thought were real, real magic and real magical experiences. So um, I'm coming from a place where I, I know the tricks and I believe in real magic and I see it in my coaching and in the transformation that I've had for myself and that I bring to others. Mm. Will you give us an example of the real magic you're talking about? Cause I totally agree with you. Um, I'm not a magician myself with the fancy tricks. My husband does that more than I do, but um but I've definitely seen some real magic. But I'm curious what you're what you're referring to. Um, you know what? There were there were so many stories, but it's almost like coincidences that will happen. Where uh, I will, um, for ex- I wasn't prepared to tell a story, but like for example, once I helped somebody um, in the airport with their suitcase, and then I, I didn't. I, every all all my plans fell through. I had no place to stay, and a car pulls up, and it turns out it was that woman. I helped her. And she provided me a, a home and a place to stay when I was in a country where I knew nobody. That would just be one example where mm-hmm. I so, sort of surrender and mm-hmm. I, I have no idea what's going to happen or how it's going to happen. And I give myself up to um, to whatever might happen. And all of a sudden, something that would be described as a miracle or um, even being stuck. Once I was stuck in the desert, uh, our car got stuck in Baja, California. There was absolutely no way to get out of this. It was really um, 
kind of a scary situation and somebody appeared um, out of nowhere who lived there. I don't know how they could possibly live in the desert and help me get my car out. Um, so just um, hundreds of examples. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I've, I've, I've lived those too. It's fun. It's, that's when life gets really fun. And also just seeing sort of healers and um, shamanic experiences that I would love to. I go and Google the science behind it, and, and it's really just sort of a miraculous experience that I went through or that I witnessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are whole worlds that we, uh, we don't even know about until we start to open our eyes in a new way. And I think, you know, not to... Um, I think that's absolutely true in the realm of relationships too. And then, you know, we're talking about sex advice for, for men in relationship today. Um, and there was something that you said about completely surrendering and um, you didn't say exactly these words, but something along the lines of releasing expectation and just letting, letting whatever happens happens. I think that's absolutely true in terms of a key for being a good lover. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, totally. And again, I mean, just to piggyback on the idea of the magic, I did have like a, um, a, a shamanic experience when I was with my lover and the words um, love even more came up. And um, I now have that tattooed on my leg with this, with this symbol. And when things go wrong and where things seem tricky or, or sticky or problems come up, I, I bring up that, that phrase and it's almost like a light shines and um, I lean even more. I lean even more to what's... Uh, what's uncomfortable. And, uh, so I just always remember that it, it's actually love, love even more. So, um, that's sort of came out of a magical experience and, uh, it, it has to do with surrendering, surrendering to the relationship. And right now I, I'm proud to say I'm in a really magical relationship. Mm. So. I love that. Cause I think it's so true. It's when, when things get sticky, when things get hard, our, our tendency and our natural go-to is to kind of close off. And to defend or to separate. And so I, I just love that you have this reminder to do the opposite, to lean in. Yes, lean in, love even more. Um, and, and even as I, I can feel a vibration in my body as I say those words, uh, memories. And, and uh, um, yeah, so um, I'm going to stop, stop here because I'm just sort of feeling it. Yes, love even more. Yeah, beautiful. Um, so I, I want to dive in with you and I want to make sure that I don't cut us off once we're in the middle of something really juicy. So I'm going to go to break now um, before we dive into some, some real hot tips. Uh, before we go to break, will you tell our audience where they can go to find out more about you and your work? Yeah, I have a website. It's called um, Embody Awakening. It's a little tricky to spell. It's E-M-B-O-D-Y and then there's a dash awakening.com. Beautiful. So we're talking today with Larry Frederick, and he's going to give us some awesome sex advice for men in relationship when we get back. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss this one. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer learning, intensive one-on-one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the Net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master 
master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the superpower net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. Okay, we're back. All right, Larry, lay it on us. For the men out there who are listening to this, who are like, yes, I want to have better sex. I want to know how to please my woman. Yes, well, okay, well, one thing I was looking at this, um, it was a research project from Stanford University, and it was like, what makes the man the lover that women remember? Like, and and they said, it's only 10% of men out there that, um, you know, they interviewed lots and lots of women. And I'm all right, um, man. Here's the challenge. Here's and the I'm, challenge. I'm finding that I'm only I'm giving this information because I find it true in my own experience as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I, there was a, the, the number one tip, and this is to be the lover that stands out in a woman's mind, is to slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, and what and what's slow for a man and what's slow for a woman? It's just two different perceptions of speed. Yeah. Um, Amen. And, uh, yes. And I'm working with, right now I'm working with a group of like uh, 25 men. I'm working with Destin Garrick. And um, I'm finding that to be so much the case with all the men. It's like they want it all. They want it now. They, uh, they, they want, you know, they're, they're, they're going through this program and they want the end of the program when we're only four weeks into the program. Mm-hmm. And um, there's like just a sense of urgency that doesn't serve in the bedroom. Because uh, it doesn't really serve in life either, honestly. No, it doesn't. But. It does. It does. Well, it serves. It. I mean, I suppose it serves in a certain corporate world where you have deadlines and things like that. And when there's traffic, like our our nervous system is is trained to to be to speed up. Um, but it doesn't. It probably hasn't served in our in our past before all of this technology. And it certainly doesn't serve um, in our nervous system. And it doesn't serve with connecting with a woman. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, yeah, slow down, and whatever you think is slow, slow down even more. Yeah, and I just want to pause you for a second and, like, like yes, exclamation point, plus times a thousand, yes. Like, this, I'm glad that this is number one. This is the most important thing. Um, if you didn't hear him say slow down, I'm going to say it again. Slow the F down when you are with your woman. When you are when you are in the bedroom, I think so many of us, women included, can get sort of goal oriented when we're between the sheets, and that is not what is going to give you that hot, juicy, amazing experience. And slowing down is even before you even get into the bedroom. Like slow yeah. down the before you get into the bedroom. Slow down the taking the clothes off. Slow it all down, and um, slow the touching down. Uh, yeah, slow it all, and uh, and then I think on a on a biological level, they say that it takes about forty five minutes for a woman to be fully aroused. So, um, I mean, just biologically, it takes a woman a lot longer to become in a state of full arousal where she could really become uh, and experience her body and her orgasm. I think that's debatable, but I think as a general rule, that's safe. Well, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> just from yeah. my own personal experience. <laughs> well, but that, I mean, that the 45 minutes could include the taking the clothes off and all of that. For sure. Um, and and there, there have been like studies with, with monitors inside the body and engorgement and all of that. But yes, I'm not going to debate it, but it's still slow down, right? <laughs> slow Absolutely. down. Um, 
because yeah, for a man, it's like nine minutes to full arousal for a woman, 45 minutes. So even if, even if you can disprove it with science, why? I mean, just slow down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have a question for you that's coming up um, that I'm, I'm really curious about for men who experience like premature ejaculation. They're, they might not want to slow down because they want to make sure that they can, you know, at least get in there before it's all over for them. Uh, you know what? I'm working with these men right now, and um, it, it's still, it's it comes down to slowing down the nervous system even prior to the act of sex. It's like learn to slow down your body, learn to breathe, learn to relax, learn to um, let go of the goal. And um, as you, you know, if the idea is, is they want to do it as quick as possible, it it still has to do with slowing down, and it has to do with slowing down the nervous system. Um, because the worry about it is, is causing, you know, hormones to work and, and, Mm -hmm. and the the system to speed up and it's counterproductive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like a snowball effect. Like it just, everything builds. Right. And I mean, for those, for, for premature ejaculation, there's a number of factors and there's biological, chemical, there's a lot of factors to work with, um, but still the rule of slowing down it would, would apply. Yeah. Yeah, I think honestly, in today's society, it's a it's just a good general rule of thumb to give yourself the opportunity to yeah, our nervous systems are amped, our ner- and and we don't even realize it because we're just on autopilot operating so quickly all the time, and yeah, so what might feel slow is actually not. You know, we're in this digital world where it's like if something is not appear in my face the moment I push a button, it's not fast enough. And you know what I'm yeah no I, I didn't mean to interrupt you but what I'm finding is that slowness is actually an you have to acquire it cuz working with the men when they do slow down and and um you know focus on just there's a a practice we do it's called erotic self exploration where the idea is to slow down and not even go to your genitals and just feel your body and mm-hmm. it's really um difficult they they say well I'm bored and what does that mean? Well, I don't feel anything or, or what happens is actually anxiety comes up when they slow down Mm -hmm. because they're starting to feel their body for the first time. And what, what they've been hiding is anxiety that they don't want to feel. So, so they start to have stories about it being boring or that they don't, you know, they don't like doing it. Resistance comes up and it's really because we're not used to slowing down. It's a practice. And, and I got to say, just to translate that to, to sex, like if you are pumping your anxiety into a woman that is not sexy, it is not desirable, it does not feel good to be on the receiving end of that. Exactly. So, so the training is to train yourself before you're with the woman. Yeah. You know, tra- train train your, yourself by yourself so that anxiety doesn't come up in the bedroom. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. So what's number two from Stanford? Well, I mean, I don't know if I have the order right, but presence is, <laughs> presence is definitely another one. Mm-hmm. Um, being present, which um, requires slowing down. And again, um, presence is something that uh, another thing I'm working with, and there's, they're arguing about what does it mean to be present. Um, right. So yeah, how do you define that or understand that? Well, I mean, like they were talking about, it's focusing on your breath and things like that. And and what I what I define it is exactly the opposite. It's like focusing is is being narrow, and being present is like widening your your vision so you're 
feeling everything, not just your breath, but also tension and you're feeling air and you're feeling, um, you know, the, the prickles of hair on your, on your head. And, um, it's just dropping into your body without any kind of chatter, like not deciding, Oh, my neck hurts. So, um, I'm, then you start thinking about work or whatever, wherever that tension is coming from, but just saying, I feel tension or I feel actually even, I feel a constriction in my neck mm-hmm. and I feel the air and just kind of um, being aware of all of the different sensations in your body and around your body. Um, I mean, it's called, I think a word is dropping in. Mm-hmm. And and then you find that your, your awareness widens, like what, what you can see in front of you all of a sudden, you can see things on the side. You can almost see things in the back of your head and um, you can start to, sense other people and their emotions as well. Yeah, I love I love that that you take it there cuz I I often use the breath as a tool but I think it's like the starting point, you know, I love the breath because it's like it's always there as long as we're alive, we have breath moving through our bodies and so we can start with that as a focus point to start bringing us into our body but then what happens inevitably is exactly what you just named is that widening of perception and that um, being able to experience more altogether. And it takes, you know, if, if you've never done that before, it takes practice. It, it definitely does. And it's almost like we hear the word and, and, um, and it's interesting because I think women, like, um, like I was at a workshop where the women were supposed to point out the guy that was most present. And I would be looking at all the guys and say, I can't tell. They all, <laughs> that guy looks like a, like a douchebag to me. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> But, the, you know, the women would, would all, they, they inevitably all picked like one guy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then I, that was earlier on my training. I was actually training with Satyan at the time. And I would, it was really fascinating to me. Like, what is it about that guy that has presence? And I want that. Like, you know, how do I get that? How, mm-hmm. how, do, I, how do I cultivate presence? And I don't think it's an overnight process. I think it's a, it's a long, it's sort of a, um, like when you go to the gym and, and you have to develop the, um, all of the different things involved in becoming present and then other people feel it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like building a muscle for sure. And, and I think there's two in terms of, you know, being a good lover, there's presence with yourself, but then also presence with the person that you are with and being attuned to what is happening for them and, and listening for their feedback you know, and the feedback is usually not verbal. It's, it's energetic. It's physical feedback. Yes. And it's, it's, it is feedback. And I think that um, I'm thinking of an example. I, 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 certain nights of the week, I don't see my girlfriend every day, but usually it's after work when we're both like in work mode. And I have to say, I have to make it a conscious choice. I will be talking and I'll realize I'll, we'll be talking, but I'm not fully present yet. And I'll just take a moment and I'll even say out loud, okay, I'm, I'm getting present now. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to be present and I can almost feel a click. Like, mm-hmm. like, like it's almost like a click that comes on and it's, a, and then all of a sudden everything shifts in the room and I see her. Like it's, it's almost like I'm looking at her again for the first time. Like I've seen her a million times, but it's like, I'm, I'm looking, I'm appreciating, I'm taking it in. And, um, 
and I'm feeling it in my own body and it's just such an energy shift. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's almost like, as I say, it's like a click, like you turn on a computer and, um, I have not, I have to admit, I'm not fully present all the time. And I don't think that most people are. Yeah, I think, I think our society is not designed for encouraging, um, presence at all day, every day. But that doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's not possible to access it at any point in time. Just like Larry just mentioned, you know, it just, it takes a moment to decide, okay, I'm going to get present. And, and then it does shift. And it's amazing what, what happens after that or what can happen. Definitely. And, I, and the feedback is in her, like all of a sudden she'll smile. Her energy will shift. She'll mm-hmm. become more relaxed. Her breathing will change. My breathing will change. And then um, we both can become much more tuned into each other. And then the conversation is different. It's like, I'm hearing her differently. I'm hearing beyond the words that she's saying. I'm feeling um, the emotions in her body. So the conversation becomes, even if we were talking about the same thing, which is something that happened at work that was upsetting, um, the whole, like the texture, the depth and the um, of the conversation changes. Yeah, and that's so beautiful, and it's a gift you're giving her, too, because if she's coming out of work mode, it's like she also needs to get present. And so to say, like, I'm going to take a moment and get present and to verbalize that, it, it gives her the opportunity to do the same thing, which is beautiful. So um, we're going down the list here, right? Yeah, let's um, go. Okay, so let's see. It's number three was um, attunement which actually um, is different than presence because presence is me, which is sort of what we were talking about. Presence is when I can feel my own body. Attunement is when I can feel hers. Mm -hmm. And I think you you need one first. So it's almost, there's almost, I didn't think about this, but it's almost like an order. For sure. Slow slow down, get Get present, and then you can tune into the other person. You can't really tune into the other person until you're present to yourself. And you can't be present to yourself until you slow down. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, uh, should I elaborate on attunement? I mean, yeah, I, can I, mean elaborate. I feel like we did. We, we went there a little bit, you know, um, we can, we can go further. Like we were talking about feedback. We were talking about really being aware of what's happening in your partner. Well, I think attunement, there was a practice that I did for a while, um, orgasmic meditation, and there's different variations of this. Mm-hmm. And um, that really helped in attunement because, I, I don't know, are you familiar with orgasmic meditation? I'm sure some of the listeners are and some aren't, but it's yeah, basically... Yeah, for, for those who aren't, why don't you explain what it is? You're basically stroking the, the clitoris for about for 15 minutes. In this particular, what they call container, it's 15 minutes. And um, you're just focusing the finger on the clit on one particular spot on the clit for 15 minutes. And um, then when the 15 minutes is over, the practice is over. And this really helped me with attunement because I would start by just just um, focusing on that one little tiny part of her body. I would begin to feel all kinds of sensations in my body. Um, and then I would be able to feel like an electrical pulse when, when uh, I got what's called the spot, like there'd be a particular spot. It would be, I could feel like an electrical connection between the two of us. And then I could, it, it was almost like uh, plugging in to another person. And you don't need to just uh, do that practice, but that practice taught me to tune in on, on subtleties, on how just focusing on one small spot opened up um, 
a whole big realm of sensations. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to know exactly like how much first I would need verbal adjustments, but then I didn't need it anymore. Then I could kind of feel in my own body if it was too much pressure, not enough pressure, too fast, too slow. So let's talk about verbal adjustments in terms of attuning to your partner. Okay. What's your, what's your, you know, cause I think that there's something that you just said that is really important. You know, you said at first you, you needed them and then you were able to tune in and didn't need them so much anymore. And part of the practice, yeah, part of the practice is um, learning to make verbal adjustments, which is great for both the man and the woman. Yeah. How do you, how do you make a verbal adjustment? And um, there's a lot of triggers in making an adjustment. If, 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 yeah. if before I did training like this, if a woman would say, go faster or go slower, immediately I would go in my head, oh, I'm not pleasing her. I'm not doing it right. Um, and I'm, I would be the opposite of being present. I would be in my head. I'd be worried. Um, right. now, and it, it, I, I just want to pause you for a second because I'm sure there's a lot of men listening to this who have had that same experience. And it's like, I want to shout it from the rooftops. When a woman is telling you go slower, go faster, it's it. She's telling you how to please her. She's not saying that you're not pleasing her. She's saying she wants it this way. And it's, if you go in that direction, it's going to open up an amazing world for her. Exactly. And, and it, we still have to get past our triggers. You know, yeah. we have to, we have to get past that. Oh, she's giving me, a, she's telling me this, I'm being criticized and, and, Issues come up from childhood, from school. Um, and that's why for a woman, it's also very difficult to make an adjustment because yeah. the woman doesn't want that to happen. So there's actually an art to making adjustments for setting a, a, a space where the woman can say, go slower, go faster, more pressure, less pressure, a little to the right, a little to the left, just very simple commands. And, and, uh, and then the man says, thank you. And that doesn't, space does need to be set up ahead of time. Those agreements need to be put in place before you're in the sexual act. Right. And in my program, we, I set up how to communicate and, and setting all that, that up. So when it transitions to the bedroom, it's not awkward or uncomfortable because you can make those adjustments in terms of serving food. So you learn how to make the adjustments and translate it into the bedroom. So when you're in the bedroom, it's, it's not, it could be, it, it doesn't, at first it, it might not be that sexy unless you learn how to make it sexy. Cause it's actually really sexy for the woman to feel safe in, in saying how her body feels and what she wants. And um, for her to, and for the man to just make those adjustments without the triggers, then it's sexy. It's not sexy if there's awkwardness or um, shame or um, feelings of I'm not doing this right. All of that is not sexy. And yet that does come up. And so what, what do you, what's your advice for when that occurs? Because it is, it does, it happens. <laughs> well, again, as I say, that's why there, there's practice involved. There's practice in, in that, in the communicating it, they're called adjustments. I mean, that's, a, that's the word setting a container for adjustments. It's kind of a, a mouthful there, but you set a container where it's safe to learn how to make these um, suggestions without it taking you out of the moment of, of, you know, in the middle of sex, it's, you don't want to start thinking too much about, you just want to be in your body. The woman wants to be in her body and just say, this feels really good. And I'm wondering what it would feel like with a little bit more pressure. And I want to be able to say that without it triggering and, and getting out of the moment. So it has, it's sort of, 
practicing it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's you do you do just have to stop and and work through the trigger. Um, it's not the sexiest thing in the world to do, and yet I think there is a certain level of experience that you can't get to until you've done that. Whether you choose to do that work with your partner in the bedroom or you choose to do that work with someone else outside of the bedroom, um, you can't you can't bypass it. If the trigger is coming up for you, you have to go through it. There's no like dodging it or going around. Like you have to move through it completely. Ex- yes, exactly. And working on the triggers is really important too. And all that work is... Um, it comes up in the bedroom and it's work that needs to be done outside of the bedroom as well. We all have to be aware of our triggers. Um, it's, I have a, I have a name. I have names sometimes for my triggers. Like I have little Freddie is one of my, triggers. <laughs> you know, and, and um, I've established a relationship and for myself, and I also teach men where I can call if I'm triggered, I can just say, Oh, that's little Freddie. And I know what I'm talking about. My girlfriend knows what I'm talking about. And um, we're able to, to to bring ourselves out of that. But without training, if I just say little Freddie, that doesn't mean anything. But she knows exactly what that means. That's that little boy that needs attention, that wants to do it right, that feels bad because I didn't do it right and I didn't please mommy and all of that stuff. So Yeah, and I think a- it's so beautiful to have a name for it because it allows us to then shift into what we call over at SPE, we call it the observer role. Um, you know, it immediately, it takes you out of the trigger to be able to name it. Right. Okay. I'm not, I'm not owned by this anymore. I'm not identified by it or with it when I can come outside of it and say, Oh, that's what that is. Yes. And, and it's fun. I mean, I love, I love when little, when I can call little (laughs) Freddie and let, and I say, you know what, little, just let little Freddie come out right now. And um, she's got little Delilah, which I love because uh-huh. little Delilah, she's on a diet, but she wants French fries. So go ahead and have some French fries. You know, that's what little Delilah wants. <laughs> so sweet. Okay. Is that what's next from Stanford or have we hit? Let's see. What's next? I took notes here. Um, well, I mean, so, so there was presence attunement is, is, is how much how attuned you are to her. And then uh, another one is how desired does she feel by you? Mm. And uh, that it's also, I think there's a difference for a woman feeling a man's like hunger or lust and um, a, a sort of a, a clean desire that makes her feel good as opposed to a desire that has an agenda to it. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I want to hear you flesh that out a little bit more because I think you're spot on. And let's talk about that a little bit more. Well, well how I mean, do you I, define the difference between lust um, and, and, well, and the purity of desire that you're referring to? Well, I, you know, well, I'm thinking as a man, there's, I'll, I'll feel desire a lot. I'll walk into Starbucks and there'll be a barista and I'll feel some kind of like attraction and, and my mind will go to fantasy and um, then I might either think to myself or say to her, oh, wow, you're super hot. Um, but that's not a desire that I don't think lands very well to the woman receiving it. No. But there's a different kind of desire where I'm with my woman. And um, again, when I'm present and dropped in and like that moment that that shifts and she, I don't have to say anything. She could just feel it because I am in my mind, it's, it's not even 
not even sexual. It's almost like gratitude and wonderment. Like I'm looking at something and I'm feeling it now as I'm speaking. It's like I'm looking at something that is so amazing. You know, I'm, I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy we're together. So it's gratitude, you know, like gratitude that, uh, that, that you took your clothes off and I could look at your beautiful body and um, she feels that. You know what I think it is? I think there's a, I mean, yes to everything you just said. And, and I think there, you know, when we, when we come together sexually as men and women, there's a unification that happens. And we're, when we're really, when we're really in the sexual act and in sort of the highest evolved form that it can be, we become one in that process. And, and I think that there's the, the purity of that desire. It's, it's like saying, I want to be so vulnerable with you that I'm, that I want to merge together in that way. I'm, I'm willing to become one with you. With you. Like that's really, it's huge. And even beyond that, not only one with you, but I mean, on like a tantric level, and if we want to get woo, it's almost like one with the universe. For like, sure. Uh, I, I want to become one with this, this like, I can't even put words on um, what it feels like to, um, to, to admire your beauty. Like, how could I put that in words? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, but but the, the feeling is there and it's bigger than the words. And um, when she can feel that, when she can feel that desire, all of her insecurities about it, it just uh, it's a magical moment yes. for a woman to feel that pure desire without it being about, I just want to sleep with her. Yeah. Yes. You're seeing her for her, the fullness of who she is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful, beautiful and profound. And um, another thing which is on my list, and I'm not sure if it was on Stanford study, but it's something that I think is really important. <clears throat> and it goes back to things that we've already said, and that's safety. Safety is really important. Mm-hmm. And um, safe, safety, I mean, of, of course, there's the physical safety. You want a man that a robber comes in the house, he's going to beat him up and protect the home, kind of like, you know, that old primitive safety, caveman, the tiger's coming safety. But there's... There's emotional safety also. Yeah. So let's talk about that. What creates emotional safety? Well, I think that when we're talking about the adjustments, like how do you safe, how does a woman safely express her needs or her fantasies even, or her desires without worrying about caretaking the man? Because as soon as the man is triggered, then there's a a natural like, okay, now I'm a caretaker. Now I'm your mom. Yeah, and I can't fully surrender anymore. And yeah. this is not happening on a conscious level. But for the woman, it's like the safety's gone because now she's the one taking she's the one taking care of the guy because she hurt his feelings because um, she made him feel bad because she said he was going too fast. And now um, the safety's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and there also has to be a safety in in saying things that are uncomfortable. You know things things that um, you, you, you feel might hurt a person, but you can safely be vulnerable, safely, you can safely be vulnerable and you can safely be your worst and you can safely show yourself and um, yeah, to, 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 to have that kind of safety 
is I think is is probably to me it I I hope it's normal, but I think it's not. I think it's not as common as it should be. Yeah, I I would agree with you. It takes a lot of work. There's a there's a lot of things that break trust, and probably if you're listening to this, you've done some of those things that have broken trust in your relationship, and that trust takes a lot of intention and time to rebuild. It takes you know it takes time to build trust, and it can be broken in a moment. Um, and trust is, is essential to safety. Trust is, is the, the cornerstone, the foundation for creating safety. And so if you are listening to this and you, you know, you, uh, you can feel it if you're in a relationship and you know, you've broken trust. Number one thing is to how work on rebuilding that. And that doesn't mean coming to your woman groveling it means doing all of these things that we just talked about, slowing down, getting present, attuning to her, attuning to yourself and attuning to her. Um, those are the things that are going to create a feeling of safety and a feeling of trust. But if trust has been broken, it needs to be rebuilt. And, and, and part of that requires taking responsibility for for one's actions, for one's responses, um, for whatever may have happened that broke the trust and owning it and acknowledging it. You know, a big, a big campaign that I've been on lately, I think, you know, a lot of us um, can have a really hard time acknowledging when we have been wrong, when we've made mistakes. And I think part of why that is, is because we we think that to acknowledge that we have done or said something that was wrong or or that hurt someone else it's like acknowledging that we are unworthy or that we are inherently bad because we hurt someone else and and my campaign that i'm on right now is that it is totally possible to say i fucked up i made a mistake and to love yourself anyway. I think, I think, yeah, I think what you said is super important. And it's also reminding me how important when we're talking about trust, how important it is for us to be trustworthy, like how as a man, I need to trust myself, you know, like I need to, I know, I know I, I fuck up and how much do I trust myself? And part of the, of the journey of me becoming better lover was me becoming just more trustworthy in general. And that is in, in, in terms of my relationship with my family and work. So how, how could she feel tr- safe if I don't trust myself, if I don't yeah. love myself? And, uh, and what were some of the things that you did, if, if you wouldn't mind just sharing, like, like how you rebuilt trust with yourself? Because I think that's a big one for a lot of men, that they're not really necessarily willing to admit but the nice thing about a podcast is you don't have to admit it to anyone else. You can just admit it to yourself right now and take in this information. Well, I mean, what comes up with is a story, which I think is a good story. And it involves one of my teachers, Satyan. Um, and it was a workshop. I, I didn't know anything about Tantra. And I was eye gazing with a woman. And she, and she said to me, this, the, the words were, I trust you. So I was looking in the eyes of a woman and the woman said, I trust you. And I, I, I fell on the floor in tears. I was like in a ball 
crying like oh I, 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 there was so much grief in that um, because I realized I couldn't trust myself this was uh, this this was in a marriage that I'm no longer in and uh, just taking in those words really made me reevaluate my life like how how trustworthy am I? I mean, can a woman look me in the eyes and say, I trust you? Um, even though this was a random coupling, it was sort of a universal expression of a woman wants that of a man. How trustworthy are you? And it really made me think to myself how many ways I wasn't trustworthy, how many ways I've, I've um, made promises to myself that I don't keep, how many, how many, like a whole list of ways that I was not a trustworthy man. And that, um, Oh, sorry about that. There's a phone ring. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, that, uh, you, uh, okay. So Life sorry happens, about this. you guys. We record. Yes, yeah, yeah. We record <laughs> uh, let me just. Um, let, let's cut this from happening. I'm going to just. Okay, I, I took that up. Okay, so yeah, that was but, it. It, it so made what me. What did you do to rebuild that trust with yourself? Well, I mean, again, it, it, it then I started to become aware. How trustworthy am I? And and you know, it took it took years for me to be at a place where um, I I can say that I'm I fuck up sometimes, but I I believe in myself. I trust myself. I, I follow through. I'm I'm somebody that am I am a trustworthy person. And was it just like, okay, I'm seeing where I'm not following through, so I'm going to make a different choice because I'm, I'm now aware that this is a place where I'm not following through? Yes, and then also deciding uh, maybe I'm not following through because it's not as important to me. So instead of beating myself up about not following through on this particular thing, what are my priorities? Part of it is being um, gentle with myself too where, where I make mistakes yeah. as opposed to deciding, oh, well, since I'm, I, I'm not following through with this, I'm not going to follow through with anything. I'm a person that doesn't follow through. It's easy to create stories. Totally. That's the cascade. That's what happens. I think that's why so many people have such a hard time taking personal responsibility because that's where it goes. Right. So maybe I didn't, I mean, you know, I was supposed to work out three times this week and I didn't, but <laughs> that doesn't mean that I'm never going to work out and I'm never going to have the body I want. And yeah, that's, but that doesn't mean I'm not trustworthy in the big picture. But on the other hand, a, a former self would be, well, I don't work out three days a week and I do this and I do this. And, and it's just like a list because I was able to get, get off easy by not being trustworthy. It was, I was able to like, you know, get away with a lot and uh, ultimately not be a solid person and not be a person that women can trust and not feel safe with. Yeah. Well, that's huge. Thank you for sharing that for from your own personal experience because I think that's, you know, it's really important. One of one of the cornerstones of this show for me is people being willing to share their stories because I think we learn so much more from story than we do. I mean, I think these lists are really valuable, especially when we're able, like you have done throughout our conversation today, when we're able to share stories of how they apply to our real life because, you know, to just say a precept or, or, a, you know, give a list of, of, you know, the 10 easy steps is, is great and all, but if we have no foundation for how to actually apply that to our lives, what are we going to do with it? Uh, so thank you for, for opening up and sharing some of your stories with us today. I really appreciate that. 
Exactly, and, and which is why working with men in sexuality, it's not all like what men want is like the perfect um, technique with their fingers or their tongue or whatever. And it's not about the techniques. The, the program is working on other things like communication, trustworthiness, things like that, because they don't, they're not as sexy as what, where, where to put the finger and all of that. But that is, those techniques don't matter without the other things. Absolutely. And I thank you for saying that because it is so, so, so true. And that's where, you know, Vogue and all those magazines really get it wrong because those, those techniques don't mean a damn thing if you haven't slowed down enough to get present to attune with the woman that you're performing the techniques on instead of actually being present with. It makes all yes. the difference. Which is why I'm... Like people wouldn't understand why do I need why would I need a sex coach because it's not just about sex it's like the coach is there to to make sure that um, you you are how trustworthy are you like even asking that question and making a person um, take account of their own lives you know they they need somebody there to help them see themselves because it's hard for us to look at ourselves especially in the places where we're the most vulnerable or the most well shame is a huge thing too yeah. Yeah, we did a whole um, a whole podcast show all about how sexual shame affects men in relationship. Um, yeah, shame's a big one. So I just I, I really want to thank you for for doing this work. And I know, guys, this is not it. It doesn't. It's not as sexy as you want it to be. But trust me, like when you put these things into place, the sex that you have that results from that is like beyond your wildest dreams. Mind blowing. You, you, you go into alternate universes when you can apply these very quote unquote unsexy, but incredibly effective techniques. Well, I think it's all sexy. I mean, <laughs> when, when you get to, when you get to a level of um, like an orgasmic level, eating ice cream is like sexy, you it's know, true. like the, the, the way, <laughs> the way it trips down the lip is sexy. And uh, flowers, yeah. it, it's all, it's all sexy. Plus um, in, I do teach the techniques. I mean, there are techniques, there are spots and, and things. It's about the anatomy that men should learn. Absolutely. Uh, and this first. Right. This first. That comes Honestly, at the. You could go. You could go your whole life never learning anatomy, but if you slow down long enough to listen to your woman, she will teach you all about her anatomy and what is what she needs and wants with that. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all. It's, it's all. It's all. It's all part of it. But again, um, I think as we said, the techniques are are good, and all the other stuff is is more important. Yeah. Techniques are the icing on the cake. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much, Larry, for taking time out of your day to be with us. I really appreciate you. I appreciate this conversation. I appreciate the work that you're doing. Uh, check him out, embodiedawakening.com. Larry. Embo it's embody, just because it was hard to come up with a website that was easy to spell on a podcast. So it's uh, embody e m b o d y dash awakening dot com. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Is there anything else before we sign off that you want to make sure that our listeners get to hear from you? 
Well, yeah, I didn't even have a chance to talk about the erotic blueprints, which is another thing that I work with. But if you go onto my website, you can take a quiz and find out what your what your blueprint is. Awesome. Go onto the website, take the quiz, it will give you the results, and then you'll get some emails which will explain what all the different blueprints are. And then you can sign up for a session with me, and we can talk about how to make your sex life juicy and exciting for the rest of your life. Beautiful. Yeah, and we are going to have Jaya Ma, the creator of the Erotic Blueprints, on the show in a few weeks' time. So. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Again, thank you so much, Larry, for being you, for showing up today. I really appreciate you. And to our listeners, thank you so much for continuing to tune in. I want to hear from you. If you have uh, questions that you want answered on this show, if there's topics that we haven't addressed, please, please, please send me an email, uh, Tatiana at superpowerexperts.com. If you have not yet joined us in our Facebook group, Superpowers Are Real, please do so. And check out our programs, superpowerexperts.com forward slash programs. If you are wanting some more individualized support in your journey of consciousness. And until next time, go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.